Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Another episode here of the Musings on Madison podcast. So Musings on Madison. See, I messed it up again. Two weeks, maybe by week three or four, we'll figure this out. Welcome to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, assistant editor here at Second City Hockey. Uh, an incredibly dejected and disappointed person tonight just because I happened to watch the Blackhawks game this evening. And with me are two people who are probably feeling the same way. Uh, first off, it is the uh, recently hired NHL.com correspondent for the Blackhawks, something of that nature. I don't know, but he's he's covering Blackhawks game now. He's he's all fancy. It's uh, Brandon Kane. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. And congrats, congrats, sir. It was, it was very- I'm still around here. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We still bring it around these parts because, but now you've got inside information for us, right? I guess we'll and- we'll find out in the coming. Uh- Coming pods, I guess. And, and by inside information, we're going to talk about the food that they serve the media at the uh, in the press room. That's what everyone really cares about. Yeah, because that's like, Shepard. I don't know if you cover if you've ever done any. I I cover the Wolves when I'm in Chicago. Okay, there you go. So so I, and I've seen the the press spread at food that they offer in the media room at a Wolves game. It's pretty nice. They're uh, uh, really good about that. I, like I cover, I I, I feel like. Some people who have not worked in the media may not understand, like, like if you work your way up starting, like, I'm, I cover a ton of high school and small college stuff where there's usually nothing at all. If it is, it's like, you know, cold pizza. So when you get up to the pro, the co- uh, bigger college and the pro levels and you get like a five course meal waiting for you when you're working all day, I'm like, that's, that's a pretty nice upgrade. So, so Brandon, we expect full reports on whatever it is that they're feeding you guys uh, on game days. I will happily oblige. Excellent. And then also with us tonight is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hello. I'm probably going to be more optimistic on this podcast. I'm going to find ways to do that. Good luck with that. (laughs) We'll see how this goes. (laughs) Yeah, let's see if we can kill that optimism real quick. (laughs) Hey, look, the box score. (laughs) Hey, uh, Adam Boca's got a point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he got his first ever NHL assist. Ugh. Yeah, I'm sure so that. I hope they saved the puck for him. Our initial plan for this was to record it during the third period of the Hawks Golden Knights game, but I think that might have been uh, that might have been yeah. torture for the three of us everybody. and for everybody listening to have us talk about what was going on during that game. 
But uh, we're coming to you just minutes after the Blackhawks lost 5-1 to to the Vegas Golden Knights in a game that may not have even been that close. Like, 5-1 to is a pretty sizable margin of victory in the NHL, but I think it could have been 7-8-9-1 if Corey Crawford didn't stand on his head, which I feel like it's a broken record where we say the Hawks lost by two, three, four goals, and it could have been even worse if the goalie hadn't, hadn't stood on his head. So that's the kind of season it's been, and uh, I don't think we have to tell too many of our listeners that if they've been watching the Hawks games this year. It's just, it's just not good. And the, the point that we were discussing before and I want to reference now is Calvin DeHaan got hurt tonight, and we're fingers crossed that it's not anything significant because it sounded like it was a right shoulder injury, which is the same shoulder that was surgically repaired in the offseason. So obviously that raises a major, a major red flag. Um, you hope it's nothing serious, but there's two things that can be true here is that Calvin DeHaan's injury certainly did not help the Blackhawks tonight, but they've been pretty bad with Calvin DeHaan in the lineup anyway, so you can't really use that as an excuse. So Shepard, what, what the hell's going on? Just something. Just talk. So I, 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 can't I, so I, I don't blame Calvin DeHaan for the losses that have happened while he's in the lineup because he's one of the very, very few significantly small number of Blackhawks defenders who are capable of doing their job. Uh, it's him, it's Connor Murphy, and it's Duncan Keith, and now two of those guys are hurt. Oh. Um, even, and even Duncan Keith is uh, past his prime pretty firmly, so Connor Murphy had to do almost all the heavy lifting, considering that the, the three of the well, – well, the other four guys were Brett Seabrook, Eric Gustafson, Dennis Gilbert, and Adam Boquist. I honestly think the Blackhawks would have been better off if Connor Murphy played all 60 minutes or, <laughs> or, all, 50, or all 50 minutes after Calvin DeHaan was injured. Like they, had that, they had that stretch in the first period when Boquist was out and DeHaan got hurt. Boquist came back. But I, like they had four defensemen for a while, and then Gilbert took a penalty. So they were down to three defensemen, I think, for a penalty kill in that game. Like, Boquist, but what Boquist was back by then. Oh, Boquist that was back doesn't by necessarily, then. that doesn't necessarily help because when has – Adam Boquist ever had to kill a penalty. That's not what he does. Yeah, maybe in maybe in juniors, maybe 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 in uh in mites hockey in yeah. as a as a three year old. Yeah, it it was good. I, I at some point I thought maybe the Blackhawks should just take a shift with four forwards to give their defensemen a rest. Not exactly, that it would have made much of a difference. It might have it like with with good defensive forwards like David Kampf and Dylan Sakura and uh. Brandon Saad, why not just shift to a different model at that point? Just start playing four forwards. Um, there's models that suggest playing four forwards might be a better idea anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. You might as well do something different because what we've been watching for the last two months hasn't been any good. Um, Brandon Kane, what about you? What are your thoughts on whatever the hell it was that we witnessed this evening? I mean, do people expect something different than what that was? Huh. I mean – Playing I mean, against one of the, you know, better teams. I know they were coming off a 5-0 loss to the New York Rangers of all teams, but they were deemed that. I don't, I don't think you ever go into a game expecting disaster. And, again, this goes back to what's become our measuring stick for the Blackhawks this season is whether or not the game is a disaster. And no matter I, – I, I guess I expected the game last Thursday against Boston to be a disaster, and then they won in overtime. Still blew a three goal lead, but um, <laughs> I I, yeah, I think the the thing is just go into a game without any expectations and 
Just let the good times or bad times roll. Uh, you have to guard your uh, your broken and shattered Chicago sports heart. <laughs> That's the saddest sentence I think I've ever heard on a podcast. And we're I talking mean, about fair, the hockey team at the United Center, not the basketball team. Oh, well, I mean... <laughs> I'm we're, we're, we're in the final month of 2019. Think about, if you're not a Cubs fan, the, the decade of sports that Chicago fans have had, if they're White Sox fans. It's just well, not, not good. Like the White Sox have been pretty garbage the whole decade. I hey, mean, the, women's, the women's teams, though. They women's been, teams are, are, the, are the long exception here. Well, yeah, until they get to the final. Hey, uh, let's not bring that up. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been it's been a from a like a citywide perspective, it's actually been a pretty good decade. You know, three Hawks, Cubs, the Cubs won a World Series, the Bears did. Okay, play. sorry, the second half of the of the sense. Okay, since the Black yeah, Blackhawks. The second half of the decade has been a goddamn nightmare. So yeah, okay, fair enough. I forgot that the Blackhawks Cups were this decade. It's been so long. I know, right? Remember, like this team used to win Stanley Cups a lot. Like they won three in six years. They're by far the best team of the decade. Hey, we got a fresh update because we're doing this. I, I wish it, we always do them live, but I guess we're doing this in the <coughs> aftermath of a Hawks game so we can get some updates. Fresh off the Twitter hey. machine, Chris Cook says that uh, Calvin DeHaan's right shoulder injury is, quote, not good, and he's flying back to Chicago for evaluation. So he's and, not- and the Blackhawks are still on a road trip, by the way. Yeah, so they have two fun. more road games. Uh, Philip Home, come on down. Yeah, well, mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hammer McCaution. Did the, the, the McCaution even play? They called him up. I think they called when? him up and then immediately sent him back down. Yeah, I, I don't remember him playing, but maybe he'll come back up. Uh, Philip Home was another name I saw several times. Somebody's got to come up because they're they're down another defenseman. It sounds like he's headed for injured reserve, if not long term injured reserve. The last time somebody in Chicago said an injury was not good, it was a torn pectoral muscle. So, whew. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see Slater Cuckoo play hockey anymore. I don't. I could say that about several guys on the Blackhawks right now. Unfortunately, it's it's just been that kind of season. Um, but again, I think it goes back to the point we were talking about at the top of the show, where these injuries aren't helping, but they weren't a good team beforehand. So, I guess, like, how do you even? And either one of you guys want to respond to this? Feel free. How do you even analyze the talent on your team when the team is so just looks broken that nothing's going to work anyway? Like, how do you uh, properly evaluate guys like Boquist, Nylander, and all the other youngsters when everything just kind of sucks about this team? So I think you can put them into context with other rookies on bad teams. See see how Kirby Doc is doing in relation to Capocacco and Jack Hughes, neither of whom are on a good team this year. Um, see how Adam Boquist is doing, not in relation to Quentin Hughes or Kale, Mah- not Kale McCarr, for instance, but uh, who's, who's a defenseman on a bad team that's a rookie. It's hard to name them because bad teams don't usually carry rookies, but they <laughs> keep, keep, them, keep them in context. And then I think, I think, that Kirby Doc's doing really well in comparison to his rookie class who are on bad teams. I think that's a good sign. And then uh, for other players, just I'm a big fan of possession metrics. Keep, keep relative possession metrics in mind. Brandon's doing better relative to the team. Brandon's doing well. 
you are the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. Yeah. Brandon Saad's doing well because he's doing well in relation to the team. I think that's a fairly easy thing to say. And it, it's like th- there's some encouraging signs, but I can't, I keep, I cannot shake this feeling with this team that this whole thing is just broken right now. And it feels like to make another cross sports comparison, which we love to do on this podcast, it reminds me of like the Mark Trustman era Bears where you uh. can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you can like you can bring in you know ship out this ba- broken piece for this new piece, and the new piece you bring in is going to get broken by the system. So or just broken by the the way things are right now. I don't feel good about anything involving this team at the moment. Like the even when healthy, the team is maybe a fringe wild card team at best. When with all these guys getting injured, we're heading to the lottery pretty quickly, and. You've got, you know, all these veterans on no movement clauses. I mean, as, as, they, bought, go as ahead, they bought them out, you've got to hope that the veterans waive those clauses, I think. I feel like we were talking about this before we hit the record button here, but we're getting closer and closer to that episode of where do they trade Kane? When do they trade Taves? What do they get for him? What's the reasonable expectations? I'm not there yet. I'd like to reiterate that. I'm not there yet. But um, every time something happens, like every time a game like this happens, I feel like I'm a, a step closer to just conceding that they need to blow up the entire thing. And and I saw the tweet from Mark Lazarus tonight about you have four veterans and you can't blow it up, but maybe blowing it up just involves firing the head coach and the general manager and you see if that fixes something. And if that doesn't fix it, then you're talking about waiving no trade clauses and all of that. Brandon, what do you think about that? Uh, a lot to take in. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Colleton said Sunday after the game when asked, how do you evaluate the team? Um, he said, let me pull up the quote here that I have. Um, he said, well, for now, that, that is what we are. We're inconsistent. And it's up to us to commit to doing the things shift to shift that will allow us to turn into something more. Simple as that which is basically him saying like, you can't evaluate this team because we are inconsistent. There is no rhyme or reason to, you know, the play that's being exhibited on the ice. Isn't, isn't it the coach's responsibility to not have them consistent though? Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Oh. Yeah, I, I I think it's long past due that Jeremy Colleton's exp- expiration date has been. And uh, you also have to like think there's, I don't know, the Mark Crawford situation is still ongoing with the investigation into. <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Those things. Um, so it's a matter of like when when that investigation is concluded. What you know, regardless of the outcome on it, I feel like they can't make a decision on Colleton's status until that investigation is done on Mark Crawford. Right. Uh, because I, I mean, Sheldon Brookbank's going to be the head coach. That's, that's what it, it looks like the, if the, they were the, to go that route. I don't see them doing it, but the, the, the that guy would be the option. The guy they could easily just talk to is also, again, 
in Chicago. The he's right, but that's not happening mid season. Yeah, but like why? Why would you trust Sheldon Brookbank, who hasn't been a coach for a full three years you yet? Just, you can just slap him with the interim tag just to get by. Like I don't think put the bandaid on it. Yeah, you you. I mean, you have to have a head coach, so you got, and it's got to be somebody available. So unless they're gonna, how is Scotty Bowman gonna come out of retirement? And, <laughs> what they could do is they could bring Barry Smith and have him be the interim for the rest of the season if they were to go that route. Yeah, I don't see I, it I happening, think, but that is an option. I think if – yeah, if, if they fire Carlton midseason, I think it's either going to be Barry Smith or Sheldon Brookbank, and I think they're going to – an interim tag while they try and get the big picture and – Readjust. Yeah, and readjust. And, and I figure out what the hell they're going to do because if Carlton gets fired – I think that's the. I think that's the season. I think that's just all right. We're, it's time to oh, go just... after go after Quentin Byfield <laughs> and Alexis Lafreniere and see what you can get. I, but well, the I, thing I, is, like, there's pieces there that to build on, and there's pieces that are coming. But th- this season has to bridge that gap, and it's not doing that. Right. Yeah. And I think I think a, a good idea if Carlton is fired is to bring Derek King up and, and have him coach some of the younger guys and just start recalling them in, in batches and see well, then, how they do. But then I don't, who's, who's going to coach Rockford then? They, you don't have – Under Sorensen. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they bring up King because I, he's doing much better than I would have projected at the start with the, you know, gluttony of call-ups and stuff and, like, managing his lineup. Aside from tonight's defensive effort, but you know that withstanding, um, he's done a good job of juggling lines and optimizing lineups and shuffling things around when he's needed to. So I feel like that works for them. So if you, as an organization, want a bright spot, hey, at least our farm system is doing well. Well, that's something. Hey, I something mean, is better than nothing, right? And this is a yes. I mean, at the end of the day it's a business. You're you're trying to you know, make money out of this and if that's right. where you can yeah. sustain money throughout, you know, March, April, maybe May, then it's not the worst thing in the world. But but what if what if they're content making money and making money doesn't necessarily involve winning? I think it's some point it has to considering the expectations that Chicago fans have on this team. Yeah, I mean, I assume those but, expectations I mean, aren't going away. Yeah, yeah, but them them seats are still pretty full. I mean, they're not as full as they're not looking as empty. They're not as full as they were five years ago, but they're also not as empty as the United Center was for that Bulls game the other night. There's that picture going around on Twitter from a couple nights ago where you could probably count the people sitting in the 300 level. And I don't think the it Hawks was like thirteen or fourteen thousand. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the first time the sellout streak is snapped, I think the Blackhawks will start to panic as an organization. I I would already be in a panic spot because it just it likes the the gap between where they are now and where they want to be. It seems like it keeps getting wider, and your top veteran players are supposed to help bridge that gap. And I don't know if they're going to be there at the end of it anymore. I think when we gets back into some of the bigger picture stuff we've been talking about before, so I don't know. And they play seven games the rest of December against Western Conference opponents at Arizona, at St. Louis, 
Then they have Minnesota at home on Sunday, a Wednesday tilt against the Avs at Winnipeg. That is a back-to-back. Then the 21st, they head out to Denver. And they've got three against Eastern opponents and then New Year's Eve in Calgary. Tough stretch, to say the least. So, yeah, with that busy schedule that they have coming up, like I was trying to look for a gap. Usually there's – you know, if you're going to make a coaching change, you try and do it when there's a couple days off. So they're they're not going to do it over – well, I feel like they did – the Hawks did fire a coach right around Christmas once. I think this was – in early 2000s. I'll have to Google this later. But anyway, like they play on the fifth, the, the game gets a while. They have two days off before that avalanche game. So that seems like maybe you can make a move there. Then there's the three days off for Christmas. That'd be a cold, cold thing to do, but I, you know, it's pro sports. Sometimes these things happen. And then the other spot was, you know, Thursday, January 2nd, first game of the new year, new decade, even will be on a Thursday night in Vancouver. Then you have two games off, two days off, and they play at home to Detroit. So maybe there, if you're going to make a coaching change, maybe that's where it happens. But uh, And then after that, it'd be like maybe that bye week they have for uh, All-Star Week when they have a week and a half off at the end of January. But I don't know if Colleton's going to last that long if they keep playing like this. Yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts on the uh, coaching change there, gentlemen? Uh, again, I, th- I, th- I would have thought it would have happened already. But they if, if they keep – bouncing around 500 then yeah i i can see them extending it they pull another three game winning streak out of their ass like they won <laughs> they, they you know they beat boston in overtime and they beat they had a 2-0-1 stretch and four uh, like uh, three games in four days they got five or six points and i don't think i've ever been less encouraged like the first game they blew a three goal lead then they needed over uh needed a shootout to beat the freaking devils and then they lost in a uh, shootout to Arizona. It's like, did anything about that game make you feel good? I, I, I got nothing out of any of those wins. Uh, so Except uh, the, the shock the one, of beating Boston. One good thing, again, I'm trying to be optimistic. Thank Dominic you. Kubel, Dom, Dominic, Dominic Kubelik is clearly a first-line winner. I think he's up, up there with Absolutely. Sod. Our best forwards so far this season. He's up there with Saad and Comp. I, I, I having a good start. The top line needs to be Taves, Saad, and Kuba League for the foreseeable future, and I see no reason why that should change. Unless it's bold take, changing the center and just going with the line that's worked the best across the whole season, and making them the first line, and going Saad, Comp, Kuba League again, and giving them more time on ice. You don't want David Kampf getting your most minutes out of against, against the Against the best opponents, while Taves gets probably play with Doc and Nylander. So make, making, that, making that like your top shutdown line, essentially? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. I, I, I got you there. I could, I could see that. I could entertain that line. That'd be a good line. A top shutdown line that can also still drive offense. Yeah, it could like, so like the, the Dave Bolin lines from 2010 and 2013, essentially. Except a little bit more offensively capable. Well, I think, like, I guess more of the 2010 version when it was uh, Bolin, Ladd, and Versteeg, because that line could still produce offensively while also shutting down opposing attackers. They, they owned yeah. the Sedin Twins for two or three years. It was great. Good times. So much fun. We had so much fun back then. Uh, we were, we yeah. were so young. And, yeah. yeah. Anyway, 
Um, those were the days. Those were the days, man. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So coming back to the present, which is much, much less fun than it should be. Not as fun as it should be is what I'm trying to say. English is hard. Anyway, so what we're trying to go with this is, you know, you have your third straight season where it looks like the Blackhawks are probably going to miss the playoffs. At what point do the guys like Taves and Kane and Keith decide, I don't want to be spending the rest of my career on a franchise that's playing for the lottery every year. Not that they're going to like, it's not getting into the discussion about blowing things up. It's more about, do they, do you guys see these guys just getting sick of losing, potentially asking for a change of scenery? Because it seems like after you had so much time winning earlier in your careers, I don't know how content they're going to be riding off into the sunset of their careers, getting their faces kicked in every night. Yeah, I think this is where the clear dividing line comes in, is that the three guys who are going to get a statue outside of the United Center right next to Michael Jordan are Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, and Duncan Keith. And I don't know if any of them, if this continues, need to end their careers and be lifetime Blackhawks. I don't know if that's something that will need to happen. It seems like... It seems like such what? a bizarre thought because, you know, all three of those guys are wearing letters every night they play. Well, Arcane's been wearing the A in Keith's absence, but I just – and, again, I, I don't know these guys personally, so I have no idea what's going on in their heads, but you can see, like – you can see the frustration out of them boiling over a little more than I have at any other point in your careers. Like, seeing Kane go palms up on so many – more offensive situations that don't pan out this year. There was a clip going around of Taves not looking like he was entirely receptive to a very brief conversation with Colleton on the bench near the end of the Arizona game a week ago. So there's just, there's little things that suggest maybe there's some frustration brewing with the more veteran players on this team. And, and Brandon, do you think anything comes of that building frustration out of that group? I don't know yet. It seems like there certainly could be. And there's a lot that it's it's hard to understand like what this team is based on all the influx of moves in that, because you have guys that are in and out of the lineup and they have chemistry with certain players, but then, you know, they don't have guys in and out of the lineup. And I listened to the, uh, Blackhawks talk podcast and Nick Gizmondi made the comparison of it's like when you go to, you know, a family uh, Thanksgiving or something and the aunts and uncles and your first cousins couldn't come. And all of a sudden it's your second cousins and they're like friends are at the table and you're like, well, how do I have a conversation with them? Like, <laughs> I don't know who you are. Right. And right. It, it, like, I don't know why, but that analogy like really stuck with me. And I was like, that is really good because and he equated it to like stuff off the ice as well. But 
just from like an on ice perspective, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because these guys have at least, you know, in the Blackhawks organization, they've known each other for so long and you develop these habits and these certain tells or ticks or whatever you want to call them, where you know where someone's going to be when this certain situation presents itself. And maybe that's what you expect. And then that guy isn't there and you're turning the puck over. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the one thing that, I mean, they've, they've all had to adapt to an entirely new group of teammates. I mean, the, the roster that won the, their last, any of their Stanley cups is it's turned over so much. I mean, they've had a ton of turnover just in the last two or three years, mainly because when you don't have a good team, the players don't, the players don't stay. Players get traded, players get released, what have you. And thank you, Brandon, for finding it was Trent Yanni they fired just before Thanksgiving in 2006, which we all remember vividly, I'm sure, the Trent Yanni <laughs> era with the Blackhawks. So who replaced him? Was that, that have been Savard? That would, have, that would have been Savard. Yep. Okay. Carve up that tenure as a big old L. <laughs> Although there was someone, uh, I think it was Duncan Keith said that playing with playing under Trent Yanni for the first few years of his career was the best thing for him. So, so there's that. I remember, I remember Trent Yanni being, I remember playing with him in like NHL 99 because he was a <laughs> defenseman and, 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 and that's going to end the Trent Yanni segment on this podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> Moving um, on. But, but speaking of veterans that are going to be frustrated, the other two guys that I think if they were assaulted one of their teammates after a game, I don't think any jury would convict them is Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford are getting so many shots against them. And just they're having to hold the fort virtually alone every single night. And I think against the, uh, the Vegas game tonight, I think you really saw the most animated frustrations I've seen out of Corey Crawford in years were at the end of, I think it was the second period, the camera showed the players walking down the tunnel into the locker room and looked like Crawford was trying to break his stick in half or angrily hitting something that he didn't uh, – that he just just trying to vent a little bit just because that was right after Gustafson kind of blew the two on one defense where Zach Smith was damn near behind the net and Gustafson was still kind of let let the passing lane be wide open and Carlson had a net so open the three of us would have hit it for a goal. So at what point, Shepard, I'm gonna ask you this one, do at at some point do the goalies have a breaking point as well, like the some of the other veterans, like Taves and Kane, might. Oh, definitely, especially somebody like Robin Leonard, who's not been afraid to be animated and who's yeah. been brutally honest so far in his brief Blackhawks tenure so far. Is that he's he's gonna throw a fit at some point, and I would not be surprised if he pulls a Patrick Watt and says, "Either you fire him, or I'm going. I need I need to go." <laughs> There's a reason I think he doesn't have an NMC, uh, like despite how good his contract is. Um, and I think that might be what gets Jeremy Collison fired. And if that's the case, uh, Robin, can you do that like tonight? Because <laughs> I, I don't think – I think Stan is still smart. I think Stan still is the guy who built two cup-winning franchises after winning the first one and cup-winning teams. And I think that uh, – he understands that, yeah, it's probably Carlton who needs to go and not the guy who's one of the best goaltenders in the league so far. Yeah. yeah, And, I mean, and if, if they're going to do this rebuild 
or rebuild on the fly or reload or whatever the hell they want to call it. Like it's not, it can't be any of those anymore. What, well, I don't know. Whatever the hell it is they're trying to do, it seems like Robin Leonard is very much in his prime. So if they think they're going to try and win something in the short term within like the next like two or three years, I'm saying Robin Leonard is the perfect guy to re-sign at the end of the season and let him be the number one goalie. If they're not going to do that, which is a podcast we'll do later in the season if things keep going this way, he could fetch one hell of a haul at the trade deadline. But we'll worry about that in 2020 uh, because I, I think we'll have much bigger fish to fry between now and then, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just – I'm sitting here looking at the Hawks' schedule. I don't know if you're going to fire a coach in the middle of the road trip. It's not like – I think I just want something to happen. Trade somebody, fire somebody, just do something. It's so boring. And the, and, the Mark Crawford, and the Mark Crawford and the Mark Crawford investigation. Fire him and then yeah, yeah, bring yeah, up just, somebody. Just let him go. And, and, that, and that doesn't count as the move that needs to happen. Right. Crawford got himself fired for all the other shit he was did earlier in his career. Brandon, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying the actions that Crawford did in Vegas looked more intentional and directed in, like, anger and frustration than – what Leonard did in Colorado when he was pulled because it looked like Leonard was just like, Hey, wake up. Like we can do this. Like it seemed more like constructive, maybe, maybe encouraging. Than- yeah. And it, and that like started like this whole firestorm. It seemed like, and Leonard was like, that's not what I like. It wasn't like yelling at my teammates. Cause they were like leaving me out to dry out there. He's like, I was just like, Hey, like we weren't doing good, so I wanted to like get the guys going a little bit. Yeah, I think there but was some. It seemed a little bit different from Crawford tonight, and not yeah. like he was like berating his teammates, but he was just like completely frustrated because he just didn't like know how to react because that hasn't happened in so long for him. Because he, he's just he, there's no help. He's got no help. I think the Leonard thing was. I think the reason some people made a big deal about it is because. He was shouting down the bench, but he just happened to be standing directly next to Taves when he did that. So if you, if you mm, yeah. took a quick glance at it, you, it looked like he was yelling at Taves. But I think it's more like what you were saying, Brandon. He was just yelling down the bench just trying to rally the troops saying, hey, you know, get your heads out of your asses. Let's play some actual hockey or as much as we can this season. Yeah, but yeah. You, can't, you can't fault either one of them from being no, you know, frustrated or that because it's like you see what's going on and you're like, they are performing – and they just want the guys in front of them to because that's going to help, you know, the overall team's success. Yeah, if either Crawford or Leonard went to the media after any of the games this season and said, I'm doing my job, I wish someone – if he, they could throw their entire team under the bus. And I think I would just – yeah, yeah, they're right. Like, they'd be totally justified. Now, they're probably not going to do that just because – well, Leonard might. Crawford probably never will just because that's not the way he is and, and hockey culture and whatnot, but – like if if one of them happened to do it, I, I don't I don't think anyone here is going to blame them. Yeah, and Leonard on Sunday was, you know, we asked about like, you know, the the team's taking so many penalties, and asked like how much you know is that hurting the team? And he goes, well, yeah. He's like, we have to stop taking penalties. He's like, that's going to make things easier for us offensively and on defense. Like, yeah, clearly he's going to face fewer shots if they're yeah. playing a five on five rather than being down a man. Yeah, so, obviously, like, he's going to love that. Um, and I know a lot's been made that he's a 
top PK goalie in the league. But I mean, after, you know, you see so many shots, it's going to wear on you regardless if you have attained them like the Blackhawks have. Yeah, I'm just – I'm interested to see when the, it stops going – when the quote changes from we need to be better from uh, – goes from we need to be better to they need to be better, they being the rest of his teammates. Maybe it won't get there. Maybe they'll somehow – Right the ship a little. Yeah, I don't know. They are, they are much better teammates than I would be at this point because <laughs> I, I can't – I, maybe that's why I'm not in the NHL. That and a general lack of athletic ability. But, <laughs> but both both of them have preached the desire to have volume against them, right? So this is uh this is their volume against them. Yeah, but I, I think at some point you just you know volume is one thing, but when players are getting empty nets to tap into, like the Carlson goal tonight, I think it was Carlson, the, the shorthanded goal on the two on one. What can you do on that as goalie? I think goalies just want to be able to have the ability to have an opportunity to make the save, and they're not getting—they're not even getting the opportunity. And I think that seems like that would be the most frustrating thing for a goalie when you don't even have the chance to do something because your teammates' in-zone coverage is so pathetic. Their crease—the the crease defense this season has been atrocious from all of the Blackhawks defenders. Just—it's—it's. It's, it's it's all bad right now. It's really like I mean, I Shepard offered some brief uh, reasons for optimism, but I don't know. I just I, I think we entered the season like again. I, I I didn't have them making the playoffs. Brandon, I don't think had them making the playoffs. So nope. it's not entirely disappointing to see them struggle. It's just the way they're getting outclassed so often. It is, and it's just it's getting it's getting painful to watch. It's getting boring and it's just it's it's turning from disappointment into apathy which is the worst place to be as a sports fan i think is when you just you can't even muster the energy to be mad about it anymore and i feel like i'm pretty much there with this team at this point in general i feel like there is one like overarching optimistic thing about where the blackhawks are is that blackhawks fans really appreciate goaltending now <laughs> it seemed like for like the first half of the decade to be like, Oh, like he should have made that save. Like that's terrible. And now it's like, Oh, like good goaltending. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I really, I really dig that. Like, Oh, that was a sick save. Like, um, so that's kind of cool to see. Cause like goaltending is such like a weird position. Yeah. You're so like that- who, who the hell is going to be like, Oh yeah, let's strap on some pads and get pucks flown at me like <laughs> 90 miles per hour. Like, you're insane. Like, let's was it up. was it Corey or Leonard who said like it's the guys in front of me who are crazy, blocking shots without the padding. <laughs> I think it, I I feel like that was Leonard. <laughs> it was just like at least I'm protected. Like, yeah, like yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but, my, my face is behind a cage. <laughs> right. So yeah. you have like Crawford, Leonard, and then in the AHL with that um, trio there. So it's like, hey, like. Parts of the organization aren't great, but to see a position that normally just is like, oh, well, look, they give up four goals. It's all the goalies' fault. It's like, no, when you look at it and you're like, okay, well, maybe only two of them were on the goalie. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just some, like, shift that I've seen within the fan base that's kind of nice to see when you, like, shuffle through all, like, the hate. (laughs) It's really nice having three NHL-level goaltenders with Lankanen being the third. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, we got the goaltending position figured out. Now they just have to get to the 18 skaters in front of them. Well, subtract. Right. subtract like, yeah, I, I know they're not all 18 bad, but it's just – let me let me have my let me have my self pitying moment, Shepard. I'm still trying to have some optimism that there is something to build around. Oh, bl- bless your heart, it's the holiday season. <laughs> We're all trying to feel good about this, but uh, um, we got to record a pod on Festivus to like actually like hit it home on the nose, right? And uh, I we've got plenty of grievances to be aired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the people need it. Uh, yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe we'll open that up to the Second City Hockey listeners and let them. Uh, let them hear their own grievances because I'm sure there's plenty to be had at this point. We could open up a, like a hotline and everything. A mailbag like mail Oh, boy. Episode. That'd be spicy. <sighs> That'd be spicy like a Popeye's chicken sandwich. You are obsessed with those. <laughs> you did. You were, I saw you talking about wanting to get that into a Second City Hockey story, so I guess the podcast is good enough. Yep, I that, mean, that was the reason I said that. There will be a story on Second City Hockey about this podcast. So. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good. Well, well done. Do, do you go the spicy or do you go the regular? I'm an equal opportunity Popeye's chicken sandwich eater. So, so you get one of each. I mean, maybe I get two of each. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, hey, I, you know what? You, you don't I, eat all of them in one sitting. You know, you got you know, to save one for the next day on lunch. Yeah. All right. Our shepherd, shepherd, what about you? Spicy or regular? Spicy. See, I'm I'm the only regular guy, I guess, because I'm boring. You know? I, like, I, I like flavor. <laughs> <laughs> you there's plenty of flavor in a regular chicken sandwich. <laughs> no, spicy is spicy adds more flavor. When you, next time you're back in the Chicago area from Austin, I will slap the taste out of your mouth just just for that. First time we first time first time we meet, you slap yeah. <laughs> first time we meet. That. that that sounded good. I hope it sounds as good in the microphone. Anyway, but I, I have to credit the uh, the I'm Fat podcast with pointing out uh, the Culver's chicken sandwich, which I tried recently. Oh, it is a delight. Oh, it's very good. And I, I'm I, a normie. I, hmm? I said, I'm a normie too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You run all the time. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that, that, uh, that Culver's chicken sandwich, highly recommend. Do you see, do you see what the Blackhawks have done to us? We're talking about, Chicken sandwiches at the end of a hockey puck. <laughs> I mean, I, what else is there to talk about? I mean, a chicken sandwich kind of looks like a hockey puck, like in fairness. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, if you burn it long puppy. enough, it turns into a hockey puck. A there we go. Puck. Well, you know what? I think that's going to be the perfect place to put a bow on this edition of the Musings on Madison podcast here on the Second City Hockey Network. So thank you very much for listening. We hope there's – we hope we're at least entertaining, at least more entertaining than some of the Blackhawks games have been recently. He's Shepard Price on Twitter. Follow him at, at Shepard Price. Brandon Kane is at Brendan M. Kane. I'm your host, Dave Melton. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Uh, visit secondcityhockey.com. We'll have content up there every day talking about all the things going on with the Blackhawks. Hopefully we'll have something more interesting to write about in the upcoming days and weeks and months. And, uh, yeah, I think that any, – any final thoughts, gentlemen? Nothing. Nothing. Shepard? Try to be optimistic. It's the holidays. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, you know what? Every time we do the full doom and gloom, they win three in a row. So we'll talk to you next week when the Hawks have won three in a row. But uh, thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time. And 
yeah, I, you know, I guess we'll do it again. Just please, for the love of God, go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.